Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. my neighbors are lost. I don't want to deal with any of them. You know, you and I, we got to be salt and light in the world. We got to go out and work next to that guy or that gal that doesn't know Christ. Man, their, their language is just, oh, it's like, man, my, my ears are tired by the end of the day and all of these other things. How do I do that? How do I interact with that? By you being Christ in the midst of it. You allowing the love and the concern and the compassion of Christ to drive your life. Pastor David explains a conundrum of living as a Christian today. As followers of Christ, one is called to be both separate from this world, yet also influential with the love of God to those who are far from Him. A Christian must ask God for wisdom to discern when and where to protect oneself from destructive influences, and then also seek clarity for the times that will allow for authentic impact with the love of God. The love of God is a gift that is meant to be shared through you. Now here's Pastor David with part three of today's message, A Passionate Plea. Interesting thing is, is I've looked and I've looked really closely. And even with all the new changes and everything that we've had here recently in, in the last several years, there is no line on the IRS tax forms where you can write off or itemize deductions for a great portion of what it costs to be in the ministry. There's just a whole lot that you go through. It's just there. It's just there. I think Paul knew that, again, many of the hard things, many of the attacks, many of the things that came against him, many of the lies that were thrown at him, they were well balanced by by all of the blessings and the benefits and the opportunities that he had in in serving the Lord with, with all of his heart and with all of his life says, you, 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 you come at me with chains and stones, but you know what? My peace, my security, my foundation is in Christ. You can lock me away with prison bars of steel, but my life is freer than yours will ever be. Why? Because I'm free in Christ. Paul understood that balance that was there. You had a bad day yesterday? That's okay. Maybe God was just simply preparing you for a bigger battle tomorrow. You understand that too, don't you? You had someone say some untrue things about how horrible you are as a pastor today. Well, that's okay because even though they were saying things that were untrue about how horrible, tomorrow somebody's going to say a lot of other things untrue 
about how great you are, okay? So you got to work that as, as a balance on the whole thing. Paul here, very clear. Ministry has difficult and discouraging times, frustrating and heartbreaking times, but it always allows for amazing opportunities to see God's hand close up in people's lives. And I think that's what Paul was really zeroing in on. This, this is nothing because I get to be a minister of the gospel among you and among the multitudes of others. I think Paul would be, again, very much in agreement that in ministry you find the ability to be used in ways that you know that you yourself are absolutely incapable of doing even on your best day, and yet God uses you in that way. I think Paul would agree that the blessings of seeing someone come into the kingdom out of the response of a message that the Holy Spirit has placed within your wicked heart is absolutely mind-blowing. That, wow, they came to Christ under the preaching of the word. Times of knowing for certain that it's all of Christ and none of him. Why? Because if it wasn't of Christ, you would have bailed out long ago. I believe that Paul understood that with all that he had gone through. I think Paul understood that he would thank God that God didn't allow him to pull up short of his plan, of God's plan. I think Paul, along with many pastors, would agree and thank God that God didn't allow him to continue on in the John Wayne mode. You know what that is kill them all and let God sort them out, okay? <laughs> I'm sure that there were times in Paul's life that he felt that way. I mean, it's not that I ever felt that way, but I'm sure that Paul did, okay? <laughs> Paul's passion for the gospel, his plea to the people of Corinth continued on as he goes on to speak some very open, some very humble. He speaks from a very vulnerable heart. Verse 11, he says, oh, Corinthians, and again, read, read that passion within that as he writes these things. Oh, Corinthians, we've spoken openly to you. Our heart is, is wide open. You're not restricted by us, but you're restricted by your own affections. Now, in return for the same, and I'm speaking to you like your children, you also need to be open. In other words, Paul says, man, don't, don't be deceivers. Have an open heart before one another and before him. There's too many times we come into church week after week after week. Nobody around us has a clue of the battles that we're going through. Nobody knows, man, the horrible things that have gone on over the last month. Oh, we're, we're quick to say, hey, you know what, my bursitis is really kicking in on me. Or, you know, man, I'm, I'm dealing with this health issue or that health issue. When was the last time we shared with a brother or sister of Christ here in this fellowship? Pray for me because I'm really struggling in this area of, of greed. I'm really battling over this thing of lust or pornography. I'm, man, I, I, I get so angry at every situation. I, I, I just want to explode and I'm not allowing the Lord to calm me down. Pray for me in that. Pray for me. I, I got caught in a lie at work. None of us want to admit these things. But I guarantee you, in a room this big, 
We've got some of that going on and, and, and probably a host more. Come in just as a brother and say, hey, how you doing? Hey, can I, come here for a minute. Would you pray for me in this area of my life? That's what Paul is saying. I, I've been open to you now. I'm speaking to you just as children, man. You need to be open. Why? Because that's where healing begins. That's where healing begins. And the, and the more closed we are, man, the more the enemy has victory in our lives. Paul now moves into a matter of how the Christian needs to deal with the lost. How deep of a commitment can a, can a believer make with a non-believer without impacting his or her spiritual walk? Look what he says here, some powerful words, verse 14. Don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God. They shall be my people. Beloved, we all need to understand that what he's dealing with here is he's dealing with just about every relationship that we have in this present world. He's dealing with our relationships of marriage, He's dealing with our relationships with business. He's dealing with our relationship even with the friends that we hang out with. How does that work in marriage? Do not be unequally yoked. That's a no-brainer. If I'm a Christian, I shouldn't marry a non-Christian. But you know what? I've counseled enough times. We've counseled enough times people who said, yes, I'm a Christian. They get married Two years later, he finds out, man, she has no clue what's going on. Or she finds out, man, he lied to me like so, so huge. And then they're, they're there, well, uh, can I get a divorce because he lied or because she lied, because she deceived me? I said, no, he ought to divorce you because you're a fool, okay? You should have checked this stuff out long before that. Don't be unequally yoked means where are you both in your relationship with Christ? Absolutely, a believer should not marry a non-believer. That's absolutely. But don't, fa- don't take at face value someone. And that's one of the reasons, man, why we need to get to know each other. You need to know the heart. You need to see the response and how they respond. But okay, now, now we got a problem because pastor, oh gosh, I married a non-believer. So what do I do now? Well, Paul gives us a clue on that. He says, if they're willing to stay with you, then you stay with them because your testimony to them, if you are living your life truly as a believer to that non-believing spouse, the testimony of your life is to them, hopefully a message of the hope of the gospel and they might come to Christ because of that very thing. So if you've already messed up and you've married a non-believer, you stay with them to the best of your ability, and you be a testimony of Christ to that non-believer. And there's a lot we could get to on that, but you don't have time tonight. But just that understanding, man, don't be unequally yoked. Why? Because it will wear you out. It'll wear you out. And it'll destroy your walk in Christ. You might think, well, uh, 
I believe in missionary dating, Pastor, and I know I know he's a non-believer, but I figure if I'm gonna, if I can date him long enough, man, I'll get him saved, and then then we'll go on. It does not work that way. I've lived long enough. I've been pastor. I've been in church long enough, and I've counseled enough to know that more times than not, it brings you down rather than them up. Don't be unequally yoked, particularly in marriage. What about in businesses? He promises he will, he will finance this whole business thing and we're going to go into partnership together with us. He's a nice guy, but he's a non-believer. Do you think that might be okay, Pastor? I'm going to tell you no, it's not. It's not. If they're a non-believer, you guys are on two different planes. Two different planes. And you will find all kinds of problems. Maybe not initially, maybe not for a couple of years, but I guarantee you There'll come issues within that relationship that it's either going to drag you down or it's going to cause a division within that relationship. Why? Because hopefully you are looking at life with eternal values. And that non-believer, no matter how nice of a person they are, no matter how much they're willing to finance your latest and greatest idea, don't, don't. It will not turn out for good. I can guarantee you that. The testimony of God's word as well as the testimony of a multitude of Christians that I've seen that, that have struggled in this area and have had to take a loss years later down the road because they thought that that was a good deal because they were a good person and they would make it work. It doesn't. What about the third area? Don't be unequally yoked, even with your friends. Paul tells Corinth, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, don't be deceived. What? Evil company corrupts good habits. Does that mean that I can't have any lost friends? No, be careful there. Paul also told the church in Corinth, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9, he says, I wrote to you in my epistle not to keep company with sexually immoral people. So there's some lines there, yeah, definitely that are drawn. But then he goes on to say in that same portion of that passage, 1 Corinthians 5, then verses 10 and 11, he says, and yet I I certainly did not mean with the sexually immoral of this world or with the covetous or the extortioners or the idolaters, since then you'd need to go out of the world because that's like everybody, okay, is, is what Paul is saying. But now I've written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother who is sexually immoral, covetous, idolater, reviler, or a drunkard, or an extortioner, not even to eat with such a person. Did you catch what he said there? Anyone named a brother. He's a confessing believer, and yet his life certainly isn't that way. Paul says, man, you need to back away from that guy. You need to back away from that woman because she's going to draw you down. So what about for the non-believer? How do I live my life in this world with all of the non-believers around me to be able to have an impact and effect on their lives and yet, as Paul says, don't be unequally yoked with them? How much of a commitment is there in your life with that individual? You can be a friend. You can be a good neighbor. You can man, have time with that person. Beloved, how in the world are you going to be salt and light in the world 
if you shut the doors of your house and pull the drapes because you know what? All my neighbors are lost. I don't want to deal with any of them. You know, you and I, we got to be salt and light in the world. We got to go out and work next to that guy or that gal that doesn't know Christ. Man, their, their language is just, oh, it's like, man, my, my ears are tired by the end of the day and all of these other things. How do I do that? How do I interact with that? By you being Christ in the midst of it. You allowing the love and the concern and the compassion of Christ to drive your life. Yeah, even with that guy or that gal, man, that they're swearing up a blue streak and they're talking about this and that and all kinds of stuff, perverted stuff, and you think, man, Lord, give me an end. Give me, give me an opportunity to share with him. And it goes back to love. It all goes back to love. Even as Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I've got to have love. I've got to have love when I deal with the lost and dying world around me. Even as he says, man, you are, as, as he said here in 2 Corinthians, you are like God is reaching through you and imploring or begging people to be reconciled to God. That's our place. And if I'm locked away in some monastery someplace or some uh, cave amongst with uh, others away from the world, then I can't be salt and light to the world. I'm not going to go in and join in with their wild and, and, and raucous living. No, but I can be a friend to them. I can be an encouragement to them. And I can have that kind of a relationship that I can speak into their lives the truth of God's Word. And then when they say, hey, you know, we're going to go do this and this, don't say, oh, no, 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 uh-uh. You know, be careful how you do that. Don't build a wall. Hey, thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me, man. That's, thank you that you thought so much, you know, of me. But I'd, I'd rather not. No, I'm not, I'm not going to be there. Keep the door open. Keep the door open. Because once they go out and they realize that, man, having the, having the, uh, the wild and rowdy times and the parties and, and, and the revelries and all that stuff isn't filling their need. They're going to come back to you and say, man, you didn't have a party with us last night, but you look more happy than we do. Who knows what that might open up for you. I think more than anything, guys, I think all too much the church is even losing our common sense. I know the world has lost its common sense. That's been going a long time. But I look at the church too too, and see all too often we're just losing our common sense. We need to be Christ among a world that's lost. Understanding that a goat is not going to act like a sheep. Now there's a lot of sheep that act like goats, I understand that. But a goat, don't expect them. Someone who's outside of Christ I can't expect them to live with the same moral standards that I have. I can't expect them to have the same expectations in their lives as I have. And so I need to take what's in me and spill out on them so that they can see the truth and the reality. And when you and I are living our lives correctly, guess what? We become living proof that there is a God in heaven to a lost and dying world that's around us. Paul 
finishes this up. Verse 17. He says, Therefore, come out from among them, be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. And again, that comes that thing of, of being bound in so much that, man, we've, we've made a commitment, uh, either a commitment of marriage to a non-believer or someone that says that they were, but they're not really. Or we've made a business agreement with somebody that, again, they're a non-believer, their focus, their goals are totally different. Man, hey, you know what? I, I think we, I want to take, you know, uh, $20,000 of the profit of our co- company and give it to my church because we're going through this or that thing. And that person says, are you out of your ever-loving mind? We're not taking anything out for that. You see, there's total difference. Paul says, man, don't be attached in such a way that that is so binding on you. Come out from among them. Don't touch what's unclean. I'll receive you. I'll be a father to you. You shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Then chapter 7, verse 1, Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Perfecting holiness in the fear of God. How do I perfect something? I keep working at it. I keep working at it. I keep working at it. And I keep working at it. And when I mess it up, I go back and I start back again and keep working at it and keep working at it and keep working at it. I'm just going to use this illustration. You may get upset at me for using the illustration, but that's okay. You'll get over it. When I took a class on using my handgun, the instructor had the targets then like three feet from us. I mean, really close. He says, I want you to take your firearm, slowly pull it out, and three shots. Two to the chest, one to the head. Slowly. He says, I want you to do it slowly, over and over and over again. Because the fastest draw that you'll have is the most accurate one. Does you no good to pull out and not hit anything. For you and I, in our walk with holiness, and you're wondering, how in the world am I going to take that to holiness? (laughs) Bear with me. You and I, in our walk, we're going to miss a lot of times. We're going to miss, I think, more often than it, because we're not taking time to do the small things. To be obedient in the little things. As a matter of fact, the Lord says, when we are obedient in the smaller things, then I'll give you a responsibility in the bigger things. There's areas and places and things within our lives that we think, that's no big deal. It's not not a big issue. And yet you know for you it is a big issue. And you know that for you, man, it's a stumbling. It's it's it doesn't drive you to Christ, it pushes you away. Practice holiness in the littlest of things on up to the biggest of things. And I guarantee you, the more you practice on the little things, the better we'll become on the bigger things. Just by being faithful. Being faithful in the little things. And I believe that God will show us how we can be faithful and how we can honor Him in the bigger things. 
That's all the time we have for today on The Open Word. We hope today's message has touched you. Pastor David Landry will continue teaching through the book of 2 Corinthians on the next edition of The Open Word. But right now, we'd like to share how you can hear more from Pastor David. Just visit TheOpenWord.com and click on Teachings to hear or download past messages. You can also get in contact with us with any questions you might have, or let us know how we can be praying for you on your faith journey. You can also connect with us on Facebook. We're thankful that you've listened to today's message, but want to make sure that this isn't your only source of spiritual nurturing. We encourage you to find a church family who will help you grow in your walk with God. If you live in or are visiting the Casa Grande area, Pastor David has an invitation just for you. Hey, thanks, Chris. I'd like to personally invite you to join us here at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande for a time of worship, fellowship, and studying the Word of God. We meet Saturday nights at 6.30, Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m., and Wednesday evenings at 6.30. You can find our address and our directions by visiting theopenword.com and following the links at the bottom of the page to our church website. I look forward to meeting you in person and sharing this journey of faith with you. Thanks, Pastor David. That's all the time we have for today. But be sure to tune in next time for another edition of The Open Word.